0: Get yourself an Australian accent. You'll do well with that. Uh, Make stories compelling for people and just get out there and and start doing something. Uh, And you'll you'll find your groove somewhere. That works for me anyway.
1: Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are and wherever you're watching from, my name is Matt Pierce, host of The Visual Lounge, where we talk about using images and video in the workplace. Today, we're going to be talking about a subject that I think is really important when it comes to making videos about making technical videos. Oftentimes, we find ourselves, you know, we're talking about different types of videos around marketing. We're talking about videos that are more kind of learning centric, but we're going to be talking to our guest today, Troy Hunt, who is he has some deep technical knowledge. I'm a little bit afraid because I'm not as tech, nearly as technical as him, but I think it's really important we talk about this to get a sense of what what might be different. What How might we use videos to really enhance that learning process? digging into what we can we can share and learn from. So let's go ahead and introduce Troy. Troy Hunt is an Australian Microsoft Regional Director and most valuable professional for developer security, recognized by Microsoft since 2011 for his community con- contributions. He is a Pluralsight author with over 30 courses published on web security and other technologies. He's the creator of Have I Been Pawned, or H-I-B-P, a free service that aggregates data breaches to help people establish if they've been impacted by malicious activity online. Troy regularly speaks around the world and runs developer-focused security workshops. Prior to working independently, he spent 14 years at Pfizer, responsible for application architecture in the Asia-Pacific region, and he's based on the Gold Coast in Australia. And with that said, please help me welcome Troy Hunt to the Visual Lab. Hey, Troy. Hello. Good morning. Thank good. you for having me. Yes. Good morning. Good evening. It's you know That's why I say that at the beginning, because I never know where people are going to be. So, Well, Troy, thank you so much for being here. Uh, You know, I'm excited to talk with you. One, because I have used Have I Been Pawned. Unfortunately, seeing my name come up in the system as someone, you know, it happens to, I'm sure, a lot of us. But also because I know you do a lot of technical work with Pluralsight. You teach a lot of uh, things I probably can't even begin to explain. Um, I work with a lot of developers who I'm sure will be excited for this conversation. So where do I want to start today is kind of... Going back a little bit, thinking about where you started, where tell us a little bit, how did you ever first like use video? Now that you're probably used video quite a bit, I see, you know, I've watched a couple of videos on your YouTube channel, but what was the the beginning? What did it look like?
0: Yeah, look, a good question. you know, I had to go and check. I think my is a bit out of date. There's 46 PluralSight courses. Uh Camtasia. Okay. Edited- That's <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Uh, look, I I think in in terms of video, like the the main time I really started to use video as a as a medium for education was uh, when I started writing for Pluralsight, which would have been 2012, so more than a, a decade ago now. Uh, and it, you know, look, everything that that we do at Pluralsight is well, not everything, but the vast majority of content is video based. Certainly back then, it's like every course was video based. So it's, you're going to need to be you talking to a microphone, not usually with a camera and recording everything on the screen and then editing it and, and trying to make it interesting.
1: Yeah. So as you're, as you're thinking about making those videos, uh, you know, whether it's a Pluralsight video or just for your own kind of your audience that you've built up, what for you really defines success with video usage? Because I mean, there's lots of ways you could define su- success. It could be views, it could be, uh, you know, a, a million things that I don't wanna to preplant that scene yeah. too deeply, but for you, what, what do you think that is? Look, I, I think a lot of it
0: is about how can you tell a story that people can relate to? Uh, I, I think video is, is fantastic, for, particularly for things like having uh, having a, like a verbal narrative that people enjoy listening to. So apparently people like listening to my accent <laughs> on plural <laughs> side. It's just, yeah, I that's an unfair advantage. I'm going to take that. But having yeah, having that and having it be engaging, I, I think is is really valuable. I'd also counter a little bit as well. And so I, I find that people are often not great at deciding when is the right medium for video versus when is the right medium to perhaps have things in a written form i find so consistently now i'm trying to find something where i, I just want to do one discrete thing i want a good example we have got fusion 360 open here i want to do one thing in fusion 360 it's simple i should know this and there is a 5 minute video <laughs> here for it i'm like that's the th- like when I went through the tutorials to learn how to use it in the first place, the videos were awesome because I could follow along and I could see the steps and the evolution and the, the story unfold. But when I just want to add that fillet between those two edges, I just want a paragraph of text. So I think it's, it is a little bit of a double-edged sword, right? Like when does it make sense and when does it not?
1: Well, I, I, I love that. And I think from, from your perspective, that's a, it's a really great reminder, right? Because I think, look, I, I, I'm wearing the Camtasia shirt. Can, video could be an easy like solution, like oh, just it's a nail going to hit the hammer, right? Everything is that way, but you make a really good point that sometimes that's not the really the benefit of a video. The video gives depth, it gives clarity, but uh, in this case, I'm guessing a screenshot or some text that said "click here, do this" would would suffice.
0: Well, you know, I, I asked you about Snagit in uh, in the lead up to this. Yeah, uh, there is another TechSmith product. that <laughs> is very very good for conveying things that are very discreet and concise. Uh, and, you know, look, that that is, that is a tool that I use very extensively at, at the moment because there are so many times, like I just want to show this one thing. What happened before and what happened afterwards in my voice, in in that case, don't necessarily add something. But, you know, look, again, 46 Foresight courses says it's obviously a really, really good place for actually having content like that as well.
1: A- absolutely. So before, I want to I dive more into making videos and, and some of the stuff you've done, but before I do that, Thinking about your kind of breadth of the work that you've done, if you could give a tip to our audience, just one thing that would help them improve the videos, you 46 courses. That's, I mean, that's not 46 videos. That is 46 courses with each oh, video, yeah, probably yeah. what, five to 30 different videos. So what's a tip that you would give our audience about making and using video better?
0: Oh man, I mean, so some of those, particularly some of the first courses, that was 10 hours of, of produced content. So imagine oh. how much went into uh, number one tip, get an Australian accent it works really well. <laughs> number, two, <laughs> number two tip, I, I, I feel that video is a great medium for telling a story that has inflections and emotions. And, 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 you know, maybe in many ways, that's, that's the audio component of the video. But of course, these two have got to work harmoniously as well. I think that there's just a great opportunity to lead people down a path that they want to sit back and watch because to me, that that's a little bit different. I, you know, like when I was learning Fusion 360, I'll get a coffee sit here in my office or play the video and I enjoy listening to some people you know and I enjoy hearing the way the story unfolds and it is a little bit like watching something on the tv where you sit back and relax a bit more I think that's the sort of thing that lends itself really well to, to the video medium
1: yeah so I I love that and so let's let's dive into a little bit because I'll be honest coming into this um you know I was watching some of the videos that you've created and I actually uh, I just watched one you were in Finland uh, so I got to learn a little bit about your vacation and time in Finland, and that was it was interesting, right? Some story, but I I would guess that a lot of people who would be looking at technical topics, Fusion Three Sixty, I saw you had a course, plus uh, like you know HTTPS and digging into that and making yeah. it faster, and it, all, all those things. My guess is a lot of people look at that and say, "I'm I'm not thinking about stories. I'm thinking about code. I'm thinking about you know." digging into the development tool and, and figuring out how it works and what it does. Um, and how, so how do you figure out which stories fit with that development kind of heavy technical topic? Because I could see where it get, you could get like, yeah, I'm just going to tell them this is the thing, do this, do that, whatever. Yeah. Well, I, I think the,
0: the first thing to recognize is clearly it's about more than just the the technical concepts, right? I mean, there's lots of different ways that we could get the technical concepts out there. Well, one of the things that I realized in my, my early days of, of independence, and particularly as, as I left that corporate work course you referred to earlier on, is that that, that there is a bit of a, a knack if you can create a narrative that people want to sit there and read and listen to, even if the content itself is the same. And the, the, the penny dropped for me when I started doing uh, th- things like workshops. And I would have organizations come along and say, well, look, we, we have a syllabus. We want you to teach the syllabus. You can come in and just talk about the content and we will pay you 10% of what you would normally charge. <laughs> like, <laughs> this, this doesn't make sense, but it got me thinking. It's like, well, why am I able to charge what I do for, for, for basically the same content? It must be something more than just the content. And a large part of it was the delivery and the way the information is communicated and i and i realized i think very early on that the part of the knack i have is is the ability to communicate in fact I'd, i would argue that i think there are many people that can communicate the technical concepts or rather understand the technical concept much better than, than i do but being able to deliver it in a way that people can receive it and understanding who that audience is and who you're speaking to is it, just a, a, a critical part of creating content like video
1: so, so I, I I love that, and I and I do think there's you know, narrative is a is a huge piece here. So, if if you think about what you've done, because my guess is you were not like me, we are not natural. Just we're not born as video creators. That's not how you know we didn't come out just making video, right? Uh, so, is that something that? But you grew up as a narrative kind of storyteller, just that was part of kind of innate, like you you did, or is it something that you've really had a hone and work on? And if so, what, what do you do to get better at that, have you found? Well, look, it's, it's certainly
0: something that had to evolve over time, but it, it also wasn't something I sort of sat down and planned out. And I, I think that sort of the earliest times I can remember where, where that, that knack, as I put it before, sort of started to dawn on me was, was when I was working at, at Pfizer in a, in a technology capacity, but in a very large very traditional pharmaceutical organization for, for whom technology was uh, in many ways a cost <laughs> mm-hmm. and trying to communicate to business people like what is the value of the technology? You know, why do we want to use these particular software products to automate our, our sales force or, uh, or, or track our clinical trials or, or all sorts of various systems we built at the time? And, and I realized that, that uh, the ability to communicate that to people was extraordinarily value well, or valuable, well and truly beyond the value of the technology itself. So, I would say that for me was probably somewhere in the mid mid to late noughties, two thousands <laughs> <2000s, laughs> that that started to dawn on me. Uh, and then I, I guess that just became a natural progression to things like like pluralsight content and becoming a, a, an educator for, for better term.
1: Yeah. So it sounds like a lot of it is. Uh, I mean, you've got to start to realize it's its value, and then. Keep probably keep spinning those wheels, keep working at it, right, Get to get better.
0: Well, you know, I, I reckon it's an enormously valuable skill that, that transcends beyond just technology and beyond just a, your normal everyday job. If, if you can explain a concept to people and if you can convince people of your point of view, which is very often what you're doing when you're teaching, you know, it's, it's not always cut and dry. I mean, you mentioned HTTPS before, that there are different views <laughs> about a whole bunch of different things there. You know, How can I convince people that my view is the right one and that's the one you should listen to? And that's valuable regardless of the of the technology or or whatever your walk of life might be if I one day become i don't know what's something completely technology unrelated. I become a mechanic, you know and I need to convince people about my views on on the mechanics. well, that's a good skill that we'll still carry across
1: yeah, absolutely so let's let's kind of look and at how we can maybe break down some of the work you do because you know. 46 courses. Obviously, you've had to learn a lot of different technologies. I'm sure a lot of them you know, come together kind of at similar points. But when you start to look at it, let's say you're going to teach a new technology or something that you're familiar with, but haven't had a chance to create a course for, where do you start breaking that down so that you are you know that you're going to build this course, but how do you get going?
0: Yeah. So, hey, part of my dirty little secret is whether it's a site course or a blog post, very often I'm creating something so that I can learn it. <laughs> That's it's not to say I go like completely green, but you know one of the things that came to mind is, is many years ago we had the uh, the Shell Shock bug bash um, short, I think that it was one of these bugs that got a cool name and a logo, and it was it was within the realm of information security and the space that I was working in, but it was a set of technologies that I really didn't understand that well. So i I very often start writing a blog post or writing the outline of a course as just part of the learning process. And I'll start writing it and it's like, okay, if I need to explain this to someone, I have to understand it myself. So, you know, how do I explain this concept? Well, I've got to go and do a bit of research. Can I, can I create a proof of concept or can I write some code to demonstrate what I'm doing? And then I learn as part of that process. And I find that if, if I learn in a certain way, then I can relay that to other people. And, and many other people seem to enjoy learning in the same way. So I think that's actually a really interesting thing. And in fact, to be honest, a pro tip out there, if you want to learn a topic, even if you don't create a content that you then put out to the public, writing it as though you would is a really good way of learning.
1: Yeah. I I love that. So, okay. So you're, you're building out this outline of kind of things you want to know, figure out for yourself. Then are you the type that, are you an outline? Like you just talk off the outline. You're obviously very well-spoken. You've got a great accent. You can just reel it off the top of your head, right? (laughs) Or are you more of a scripter where you're like, okay, I've got to write all these things down the way I'm going to say it to to get it out to production?
0: Look, it really depends what it is. Um, now, obviously, there's, there's the one thing with the Pluralsight content for, for everyone's references. When you create Pluralsight content, you have editors that then go through and they listen to everything and they review it. And then you had a little click here. So go back and take that out. And it's very, very manicured. There's a lot of other content I've created that's video content using Camtasia for organisations like uh, Ubiquity or Veronis or, or other companies that want custom training material done, and what I tend to find works best for me there is I create outlines that are very much uh, like bullet points. So I'll go through and you know, let's say, for argument's sake, every every ten minutes of content might be several pages worth of bullet points. And then as I'm explaining it, I'll I'll often just do multiple takes and I'll go, okay, well this this sounded good, or, or hey, I just thought about this other thing here. But I, I definitely never write out word by word i know that works for some people but i find that if i write everything out word by word then my delivery no longer feels casual and friendly and organic it feels scripted because it's scripted you know and i just feel that that comes through so i I don't like doing that and and look maybe that's also something that just comes with time as well i've just become a little bit more comfortable speaking off the cuff and i just think that that creates a, a more relatable set of content
1: so I agree. I think, you know, I do a whole show every, every week or two, uh, you know, I'm recording multiple episodes where I'm just off the cuff and it's, it is what it is, but I'm curious, you know, one, one maybe pushback someone might have listening to this is say, you know, uh, when I speak and I'm guilty of this, I take way longer it. So from a time perspective, how do you manage that? Are you just really obviously at Pluralsight, you mentioned you have editors, so you're getting that help there to trim it down, but when it's maybe not, uh, Maybe you're doing the editing. Do you tend to edit a lot? Are you really cutting out kind of the, the superfluous or are you really just like, okay, it's going to take me a little bit longer to say this because I got a story. I'm going to say it in my own way. Um, or do you like to really trim and cut?
0: Yeah, look, it, it really depends. And yeah, you know, Plural side is, is a very, in a way, it's a cookie cutter in that there's so much content out there that's done over and over and over again. Uh, but but when I go and do bespoke things for other companies, it's it, it differs much more now. Very often, I, and I'm thinking about things like I did a series for One Password recently, and when I did the One Password series, uh, working with the content creators there, there were a whole bunch of of things they wanted me to say. Now in, in a case like that, I've got to first of all have that dialogue with them, uh, literally in written form. It's like, okay, what's the content going to be? We're going to work that out, and then I sit here and I start recording. And a bunch of times I'll go, that doesn't sound, that's such an American thing to say. That's not me. <laughs> and, like, I, need to, I need to say that differently with an accent before it actually feels right. Yeah. Uh, but I'm. this is commission content. They're going to pay me to do this. Like I need to get their message across. So I've got to use their, their words. So something like that might be much more scripted compared to uh, every week I do a video. I've done it 300 and something times now. I, I literally have half a dozen bullet points, and I talk for an hour, and it's a lot more like this, right? So like, I got no idea what you're going to say. I can't remember if you sent me notes. I just thought we'd figure it out when we got there because it's more <laughs> fun, and that's a different sort of content again. And Yeah, like the different things make sense in different places, right?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I I love that call up because I think uh, you know while we're both speaking English, you have the Australian, I have the American, uh, and it's but it's an interesting point, right? Because the the things that you say, the way that you say them are slightly different. You're going to have a different way to approach it. And I think that's uh, helpful to recognize. I, I don't know if people recognize lo- it. Uh, I mean, it's not truly localization, but it is localization, right? Because you're localizing it mm. to the Gold Coast versus Michigan.
0: Well, I think there's, there's two things there. So one is that there are different, definitely different, you know, different words and phrases and, and ways of, of structuring the content. The other thing for, for me personally, and this is just something I get very uh, uptight about, is I just don't want other people creating words for me so someone asked me to write something recently and they they said oh can you write you know between like 450 and 500 words and I think I wrote like 498 words like here you go then I came back and said oh look we actually want another paragraph we wrote the paragraph for you I was like no (laughs) nope you can't no matter how much I agree with it nope because that's not my words anymore uh and you know this was just written form as well so there was no accents or inflections or things like this but it's it's to me the the uh the natural organic transparent nature of it coming from me is just super super important
1: yeah yeah I, I i love that so i want to talk a little bit in in terms of when you're you've got your outline you're starting to make the video from a process standpoint uh you you mentioned you know multiple takes and i'm assuming you're recording full like full screen capture everything just talk through it as you do it or do you sometimes just record it and then go back and re-record or what's your actual recording video process like
0: There are many variables here, so. Yeah, of (laughs) course, of course. course. Looking at like my wall of screens here, so I've I've written a lot about this, a bunch of people, the my office lab, but I've got like a a 27-inch wide screen there. I've got one of the ultra wides in the middle and then I've got another on there, and the way I tend to work is I'll grab that screen there and I'll put it in 1080p, so I'll drop the res down because most stuff people want to have in 1080p, uh, and I will record the screen under there. Most of the time when I, I record training material, it doesn't involve video, which does make life a little bit easier because I, I can read my bullet points <laughs> as opposed to having to read them and then memorize them and then look back at the camera and talk. Uh, and I, I will try and do as many takes as I feel is necessary to get it right to begin with. I, I hate coming back and having to do stuff later on because if you've missed a sentence or a word or something, it could be everything from you know, a different time of day, your voice feels a little bit different, or Yeah, the the acoustics in the room are a little bit different or or something changes. And and other people might not pick up on it, but I'm the sort of guy where I look at a screen, it's like that thing is one pixel out and it's driving me nuts. (laughs) You know, so if it's my voice that sounds a bit different, it'll really bug me. So I have tended to just do a lot more, a lot more takes. And even when it's other people editing, so a lot of the, you know, I mentioned the one password content, I just recorded screen, video, audio. I was like, here you go. Good luck. <laughs> you know, I'm going to the beach. Uh, I will have multiple takes and I'll actually say to the editor, look, I'm going to do that again. I want to try this a different way. Uh, you pick which one you want. But what I don't want is them coming back, yeah, n- not just hours, but days or weeks later and saying, look, we need this again because it's just not going to be quite the same.
1: Yeah. N- never the same. I mean, even a few hours I find is, is enough to be different. Something's changed in the room or whatever. Yeah, you've had more coffee or yeah, something like that. I've talked. I, I, I was screaming at a meeting. I don't know. It could have been anything. I don't yeah, scream yeah. at meetings, but um, so shifting from that. So we've talked a lot about training videos, but I've noticed you you also engage with your community. You do some live streams. Tell us about the other use of video in your kind of your business and your career.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. So many of these weekly ones have I done now. I kind of lose track. But I uh, many many years ago. So 338. I did the 338 on Friday. But many years ago, a friend of mine in the tech industry said, um, you know, like you're doing a lot of blogs and content and things, but well, you should just do a video every week. I was like, why? And like, people really like video. Well, you know, okay, maybe. Like, well. And I, what I'd do is I'd start just recording the video, and originally I was just like literally doing it with with iPhone and external mic, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'd, I'd edit it up and I'd publish it. And, and the the main reason I started doing it is because it gave me a consistency and a, a cadence so every single week there would be something that goes out and that was useful for multiple reasons I mean that number one is that it it just gave me something constant even through some really difficult periods of life for a few years there which I've also being very public about another story but I would do the video every single week and I'd have that like that grounding uh, it's, it's also good because I have sponsorship on the blog so I make sure that every week the sponsor gets some sort of exposure because i need the sponsors to be able to go to the beach when I want to you <laughs> all this sort of thing <laughs> um and I think also it allows so much of your personality to come through in ways that written content never do so particularly when there's been very sort of sensitive topics you know, maybe I've dealt with a data breach that's uh that's that's very delicate when I can articulate it verbally and by video I, I think that People just find that a lot more relatable. And I'm conscious also that a bunch of times I'll be talking about a, a cybersecurity incident and it's relevant to normal people, not just technology people. So I, I always think it's like, well, what if it's my mum and dad watching this? you know? Right. Uh, and, and I think a, a person talking and explaining something is something that is easier for people like that to relate to than a, a lengthy blog post. And I do write lengthy blog posts.
1: I have read a couple of them, and yes, they're 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 very good, but they are long. But I but I love that when I you know I mentioned earlier I watched your uh a little bit about the Finland your vacation. I didn't watch all of it, but you got into some of the things that were going on and kind of politically with uh, Australia becoming wanting to become a cybersecurity leader. And I thought it was you know it was interesting. I really have not a vested interest in that, right? But it was so interesting to that you mixed all these things together. And I, I do think that's a really an important point that you made that it, you know, that personality, people can connect with you. And um, you're right. I, as a non, I mean, I'm technical enough to be a little bit dangerous in my own space, but not anything <laughs> like you. Uh, but it's like, oh, I, I do want, like when there's security breaches, I don't want the, the wall of lingo. I yeah. want to understand like, what, what is going on? How, what should I do? How do I act? Like, what should I change?
0: Well, you know, I think something that's important to recognise here is that different people like consuming information in different ways. Um, now, yeah, I I really wanted for Fusion three hundred and sixty the other day just to have an image and a paragraph of text, <clears throat> but I appreciate other people would like to watch a video. So you know, that, it works differently for them. Uh, I really like the, the the ability to explain something via video medium, and a bunch of people like listen to that, and that's fine. And other people like I can't stand it; I just want to read the content. A little bit in the same way as, yeah, I, I feel that the videos are sort of part of my, my personality and, and, for want of a better term, part of brand. Uh, not everyone's keen on that. Like part of it as well is I, I share nice shops of the beach or cars or beer. And some people get upset because they don't like seeing cars or beer. I don't know what's wrong with these people, but, you know, <laughs> everyone's got different views. I don't know what's wrong with the ones that tell me that they don't like it. That's what they have the issue with. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, but the point is, is that everyone likes consuming different information in different ways. And, and I, I think actually having a breadth of content of different styles is, is good for oneself. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, uh, I, I want to ask you about the Snagit story because we talked about that before we started recording. But before we do that, any, any last advice or uh, suggestions you'd give to folks who are maybe interested in doing more technical type videos that would maybe help them along their way?
0: I think with all these things, i like just getting out and doing something. You know, you know that saying, it's like perfect is the enemy of good or something of that effect. It's like yep. you get too caught up in the weeds. Yeah, you, you, just, you just never get going. So, so get out there and, and do something, create something, put something out. There's lots of stuff I would like to do so much more smoothly. I like the way you do this because I come in and then you come in and then there's graphics and things around it. I'd like to do that one day. Uh, but I don't want not being able to do that yet stop me from actually creating things. And moving forward, so yeah, that's I think that's a that's a key lesson.
1: Yeah, Uh, we're we're big fans of that philosophy here on the podcast. Right, is just trying to get better. Just do what you can today, get a little bit better the next time, and keep keep progressing rather than waiting. Because I I never would do anything if I if I had to wait because it'd be like I'm not good at it. So that's it, isn't it? Well, Troy, you, you had mentioned the Snagit story. I've been, I've been waiting for the right time. So I'm, cu- I'm curious because you you're a user of Camtasia and Snagit, which we've, we're greatly appreciative of that. So what is this story that you've got for us?
0: <laughs> it just dawned on me as, as we were talking, but because uh, I was thinking back to how far the relationship with, with TechSmith went as a broader organization. And, and, and a lot of it goes back to Snagit. Now, you mentioned before I was working for Pfizer. Now, everyone knows who Pfizer is now because we've got vaccines and things like that, but When I first started working there in 2001, no one, certainly in Australia, people didn't really know who Pfizer was. And then I'd have to go, well, do you know what Viagra is? And they're like, oh, yeah, I know what Viagra is. We make that. And Lipitor and Zoloft and all sorts of other things. And and it was, I think when I started there, about the sixth largest company in the world. So a couple of hundred billion dollars or something to that effect. So ginormous. But being a big company, one of the things that was very hard was getting expenses approved. Now, I see this all the time. I've got an API key you can buy for Have I Been Pwned. It's $3.50. You know how hard it is for many people to get $3.50 approved from their company? (laughs) So Anyway, I had a a friend working at Pfizer in a tech capacity, and he loved Snagit, but it was too hard to get it approved. So he would always go and buy Snagit and every upgrade of Snagit with his own cold, hard cash. He would go... I don't know what it was at the time because this would have been like 2007 or something. Maybe it was $40 or something. You go, I'm going to spend my own $40 to go and buy this and put it on my work computer so that I can use Snagit at work. And we would hear incessantly about how good Snagit is. And now here we are probably nearly two decades on and, and, and every day I use Snagit. And I always think of, of my mate Dennis every time uh, every time I open up Snagit. Remember when he he loved it so much he would go and buy it himself from the uh, multi billion dollar company.
1: That's that's fantastic. We'll have to uh, find Dennis and buy him a beverage uh, next time <laughs> we get a, <laughs> we get a chance to do that. Well, you know, I appreciate that sentiment because I, I we hear we hear lots of stories like that from Snagit. That you know, it's it's a low cost tool in the in the grand scheme of things. And thank you for being an advocate for of yourself and uh, Dennis wherever you are. If you happen to hear this, thank you from the bottom of our hearts to help Troy realize how great Snag it is. <laughs> well, Troy, we're gonna, we're gonna jump into what we like to call our speed round. So these are, are meant to be quick answers, that, not one word answers, but quick answers to some quick questions, and we're gonna jump into those right now. Okay, Troy, we've got, we've got the dice cam up. I've got a 12-sided die. We're gonna roll the die here and see what we get here today what question to ask you so we're going to go right to to question two um you know the question two is really not that interesting based on the conversation we'll have to change this question but we'll we'll ask it anyway because you know you get to these questions sometimes like well we kind of talked about that but it's really it's the question is how did you master the topic we talked about today i'm going to put a little twist on it though because what i don't think we talked about is just how you got good at technology how did you master the technologies you talked about you have to go out and teach it yourself but Was that baseline level? Were you did you go to school for this? Was it just something you happened to fall into? Look, it's a good question. I think that
0: it is something that I was just always attracted to, Uh, and you know, like my first memories of working with tech was I'd be about fourteen years old. I was living in the Netherlands at the time. It's cold, rainy, so I'd spend a lot of time inside on the computer. And I remember just like hacking away at games like kids did in the early nineties with, uh, with technology. And then we moved to Singapore and I had a lot of access to technology because Singapore is just such a like technologically centric place. And I, I just sort of kept drifting more and more towards it. But I, I think you know, one of the things that sort of came to mind, I'm not sure if it's a direct answer to your question or not, but one of the things that kept me going was I, I just love playing with technology. And it doesn't matter that it's my job and I make money out of it and that's great. Yeah, I'm surrounded by like IoT things everywhere, and I've been doing all this three D printing just there, and I've got to do my cyber stuff and some videos, and I just love all of the tech stuff. And I think because I love it, it's you know they say it's like if you love your job, you never work a day in your life kind of
1: thing. Absolutely. Well, as a kid in the '90s as well, you know, I yeah, I you know, I was one of those lucky ones. I we had a computer. I was always you know pre. I guess really internet prodigy was a service. I don't, I don't know if that translates internationally, <laughs> but it was like, you know, before AOL, but not kind of like AOL. So yeah, uh, always, mm. always finding great joy in technology. So let's, let's move on to our next question here. And the dice is rolled and this is going to be question number seven. Get rid of that two there. So question number seven. Okay. Oh, this, this will be interesting for you. If you had to shift careers, and obviously you, you're good to do the things that you want because uh, you become independent there, but, if you had to shift careers out of teaching and working in technology, what, what would you do, Troy? What would you do with your time?
0: Well, because this is entirely hypothetical, <laughs> we can suspend reality a little bit. Uh, I'd want to be like, like a professional sportsman. Like I, I wanted to be like a professional windsurfer. That didn't work out. Uh, I'll probably be a Formula One driver, I think. I'd, I'd give that a go. <laughs> I right. know. It'd be something that's fast and dangerous and I have to focus on or I die.
1: I love it. I love it. Well, just don't die in this show. It's, it's, we're going, we're going fast with the next question here. So let's, uh, let's roll the die again. Get that seven out there. And this is question, a lot of, I think you've gotten a lot of ones that I haven't had a chance to ask in a while. Okay. So as you're creating your content, you're, you're looking at, uh, you know, videos, you're looking at technology and not just, not just your videos, but obviously there's a bit of inspiration that has to happen. So where, where are you turning to get inspired, whether it's on how you do something, how you tackle a problem and, and the work that you do? What's that source that you turn to?
0: It's, it's a good question. Honestly, there's not one source. There's just always something that pops up. I mean, I mentioned the 3D printing. Uh, yeah, I was at a friend's place a couple of years ago, and, and this was in sort of COVID times as well, and we're all looking to entertain ourselves because we couldn't go anywhere. I was like, well, that looks cool. And he's like, yeah, yeah, watch this. And he yeah, I was like, can you just go through the list here and just buy me everything I need and then I'll figure it out later on. <laughs> and I said, like, okay, that was just a, just on a whim. Or the, the IoT stuff I've been doing, again, COVID project. I really want to be able to open my garage door with my watch when I'm riding my bike home. Um, okay, let's, let's go and do that. And uh, to be honest, one of my biggest problems is I like see something shiny over there and then suddenly I just drop all of the work over here and I'm over there doing the shiny thing. Uh, yesterday I bought an IoT door lock because now I want to do that. Now I got work to do. So I don't know why I'm mucking around with this lock, but it looks really cool. So I find inspiration and distractions absolutely everywhere I turn at the moment.
1: Well, I I, I love that as a uh, you know I if I had enough inspiration I would go and do more IoT things. I get frustrated because I don't I I don't know the inner workings as well, but that's. I I love that. That's where you're turning to. Is you're turning to these projects. You're turning to these things and figuring it out yeah. and and seeing where they're going. So, so so Troy, as we wrap up here, uh, let's let's give you a chance. Any anywhere, if people are interested in maybe following you, learning more about your work, uh, connecting with what you do, where where should they look?
0: Yeah, Troyhunt.com. Everything starts at Troyhunt.com. Uh, I'd I put a lot of stuff on Twitter. Some stuff on Mastodon because you got to be there now as well. There's more places places <laughs> to update things. And, of course, Have I Been pwned? is where a lot of stuff goes. Yeah, yeah. Watch yourself for data breaches and Have I Been Pined. And, uh, and, yeah, look, okay. you usually find me online in one of those places.
1: All right. Well, fantastic.
0: Uh, we like
1: to ask our guests at the end of every show, Troy, just to, to wrap things up. So, Troy Hunt, what is your final take?
0: Well, the final take is you get yourself an Australian accent. You'll do well with that. Uh, make stories compelling for people. And just get out there and, and start doing something, uh, and you, you'll, you'll find your groove somewhere. That works for me, anyway.
1: Fantastic. Well, Troy, it has been a pleasure to talk with you and to learn more about all the great work you're doing. Cheers, Matt. Thanks for having me. You bet. All right, everybody, go out and check out TroyHunt.com. Go, li- go listen to Troy's videos. Go learn to be- get more technical. Uh, if and check his. Uh, if you've got a data breach, that is been a fantastic resource. He's such a valuable person that's creating all this content. And have I been pawned is just uh, uh, scary, scary, sad when you realize how much (laughs) is in there. But we we really hope that you take away from some of the ideas that Troy has presented and just the the way that you can go out creating this technical content. It doesn't have to just be show your screen. You can make stories. You can use narrative, which I'm really grateful for that advice. And we'll, we'll try to work that into some more of my tutorial videos. So like we say at the end of every show, everybody, we appreciate you tuning in. We love it if you like or subscribe and do all that good stuff. Helps us know that you're watching. Share the word about the Visual Lounge wherever you are. That, again, we like, hopefully you like it. Hopefully your friends will like it. And at the end of every show, we like to say, we hope you take a little time to level up every day. Thanks, everybody.